We won again. This is good. But what is best in life? How about Wrong! I would summon a demon more ferocious than all in hell! Wrong! They will gain motion. Wrong! Hold on! What is best in life? Crush your enemy, see them driven before you, and let a lamentation of your women. That is this! That is this! Contemplate this on the tree of woe. Howdy, 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 and here we are, folks, with another episode of Garage Gamer for you. I, as always, am your host, Dave Whitek, and today I am joined uh, by our very special guest, uh, Sean Benson. Sean, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Now, Sean, you have been working very closely with Romeo and Battle Foam on their, uh, Romeo's brainchild, Wild West Exodus. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, as far as Wild West Exodus goes, I am kind of the dude uh, that's, <laughs> that's taken over a lot of the kind of like mainstay operation stuff, uh, letting Romeo focus a lot on, uh, a lot on Battle Foam and, and letting myself uh, just kind of really work on the creative side of Wild West Exodus and help to drive the game uh, in a really positive direction. Now, this... Uh this originally went up as a Kickstarter, mm-hmm. uh, actually well over a year ago. When did it go up as a Kickstarter initially? Oh, uh, yeah, it will be about 15 months ago now. We we went up in February of 2013. Uh, We're in 2014, right? Yeah, right. 2013. Uh, February is when it went up. It finished in April, near the end of April. And then, uh, and then from that point, we fulfilled everything... By the end of this last year, very beginning of this year, uh, for kind of the last little bits, and now we're at the point where we just have like a whole game. We've got a bunch of boxes and blisters and books and all that good stuff. All right, cool. Well, here, well, why don't we start off, Sean? Um, mm-hmm. Since you're the guy, for those uh, for those people who missed the Kickstarter and uh, have you know don't uh, haven't heard haven't heard Romeo on the various outlets talking about his game. Uh, sure. Why don't you give us a quick rundown of what Wild West Exodus is about, like story-wise? Sure. Um, so Wild West Exodus is a post-Civil uh, War era America, but it's in a it's an alternate history setting. Uh, we have a situation where the kind of powers that be have they're a bit corrupted from what we we knew them as, and and it's not something that just started. It's something that from the beginning of time has been around. Uh, these kind of dark forces have been at work. Uh, Okay, doing these things to these people and driving the the history of the world, and the game itself just uh, focuses a bit more on the sort of like uh, frontier uh, Wild West side of America, but there's still the aspects of of things like the Union Army and the you know the Union uh, General General Grant uh, that's really uh, pushing you know the northern northern American states, and then you have uh, you have a lot of stuff going on in the Wild West with the with the outlaws and the uh, the Warrior Nation, uh, which is sort of the Native American esque uh, group, and then you have the Enlightened, which is a group led by a European scientist uh, that reanimates corpses and and uh, really uh, all of these factions fighting against each other 
uh, are really what drive this game. And uh, they're all just really, they're, they're fighting to keep where they are. Uh, they're trying to expand, but the most important thing for so many of the factions is trying to just keep a hold in this world that just has been kind of tumultuously moving in a, uh, in a very negative sort of way for a lot of people, but they're trying to uh, make the best of it. And they're just trying to fight for their land and fight for their freedom and, and, and fight to live another day. All right. So we've got uh, your four factions here. And mm-hmm. I was looking out, I was checking out the Kickstarter again today because I haven't actually. Yep. Like I said, I don't, I don't, uh, I did miss the Kickstarter. I actually and heard then, about it a bit late on uh, D6 Generation. I was like, well, yeah. this game sounds really cool. So yeah. you seem to have. Well, and then we also had a fifth one that came out in the Kickstarter. And that was the Lawmen. So that, I mean, they're kind of tied into it as well. They're kind of that, like, antithesis to the Outlaws. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so you've got, like, Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday kind of leading the way for, the, for them. And uh, then we actually have a new faction that's coming out at Gen Con this year. Uh, it's really exciting. It's the Holy Order of Man. So they've been around since, like, the dawn of time in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and then they've kind of splintered up into these sort of, like, smaller sects. Uh, that you'll see around the world. And then uh, with everything that's going on currently in the story, um, they're kind of starting to come out of the woodwork because there's more and more negative things happening. And that's kind of their calling is the is fighting against apocalypse effectively. That, you know, there's things that will happen. They're trying to be on the, on the leading edge of that battle against everything that's evil. Okay, wow. Yeah. So, all right, new factions coming out already within a year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and th- I mean, the Kickstarter really did throw in everything too. You got all sorts of terrain, right. all sorts of buildings, all sorts of stuff like that. What what I find interesting is it's still what around what year are we set? Is this set in? Uh, so we're talking uh, roughly eighteen sixties, seventies, that area. Okay. I mean, we will. Uh, that's one thing that's really cool is that we're we we're driving the story forward constantly. Uh, we have a novel series and a graphic novel series. Uh, they're pushing the fluff of the world. Uh, we've already done our first three books. Uh, it's the Jesse James Chronicles. And then we will have book more books coming out this year, uh, including uh, books about the Holy Order and about other factions and, and members of the, uh, of the different factions in the game. Cool. Now, uh, Craig Gallant wrote two of those books, if I'm correct. Am I right? Yes. yes. Yeah, he, he wrote the, the, ender, the beginning and ender to that. All uh, right. And then C.L. Werner... Uh, wrote the the middle of the two so a lot of good writing going on oh yeah uh, just in our in our beginning parts here the of the game and then craig also wrote the uh the background story in the book so he's been kind of involved yeah he's uh, been working hand in hand with you guys then oh yeah yeah and he's great he's a great guy uh i was actually i think i'll be on the next episode of of d6 generation getting to talk with those guys and they're just they're a fun bunch too i'm sure you know, since you've listened to them and, and all that, there's yeah. good guys. No, they're great. Yeah. And I, like I said, when I heard, in fact, it was him talking about that that got me. I was like, oh, what is this? And they're like, oh, it's already done with the Kickstarter. I was like, ah, oh, poop. Yeah, yeah, totally. But now you've got, I'm looking at some of the stuff just on the Kickstarter, the the, the boost you got. You got mm-hmm. Gustav Eiffel. The, I mean, that is the guy who built the Eiffel Tower, I'm, at least. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. 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 He's going around on some big spider walker. Yep, so he's built up a, a spider construct. You've got Billy the Kid in here, mm-hmm. Geronimo, Frank, and Jesse James. Um, I'm looking at this picture. Is the Abe Lincoln boss out yet for the Union? 
Oh, yeah. Um, if you go to, actually, you're looking at the Kickstarter right now, but yeah. if you go to wildwestexodus.com, All right. uh, you can see the full range. Uh, so we've got, you know, you can go to any faction and look at all the different dudes we have. Uh, but yeah, Abe Lincoln is out. He's a, you know, he's a super awesome model. He comes with two different arm sets. So you can have him where he's shooting his shotgun or he's swinging his axe, depending on what your flavor is. Uh, we, and that's one thing that we've really driven with this game is we want, we want people to really enjoy the models that we put out. And so we put a lot of time into making very dynamic and detailed models uh, that people like painting and like playing with. I mean, if you look at even our bases really lend themselves towards like a cinematic approach to the model, uh, making each one kind of its own unique character. And that, and that has kind of played into the way that we've, uh, we've pushed the game forward too, is that everybody in the game has, has meaning. Um, even the kind of like schmucky hired hand guys that, you know, they're, they're just the guys that get shot off the top of the building in the Western movies anyway. But, right. <laughs> but there might be that time that that, that that one hired hand was able to get the lucky shot in and take down, you know, Jesse James or take down somebody's boss and, and really save the day, right? Like that's, that's yep. a big thing that we push for is because uh, the way the game plays out is you have this alternating activation where okay. you're activating one to three models and then your opponent activates one to three models back and forth, and then once you've activated all your models on your side and they've activated all their models on their side, you're done with that turn. Uh, so every time you're really tactically trying to decide who's going to go where and do what, and because of those action points and because of that sort of way the, the battle is, is always alternating, going back and forth, that sometimes if you're not making the right choices, you can just put yourself out there in a situation where you just get you know, shot to heck or whatever it may be. Yeah, no, I was actually looking at that and looking at some of the some of the gameplay videos you guys have up on YouTube. So mm-hmm. you use a D10 system. Yes. Which I'm familiar with from my days of playing all the White Wolf uh, role-playing games. That, yep. Um, no, go ahead. Oh, what I was going to say, what's really cool about it is that it just makes it really, really fast and easy for, like, odds and stuff like that. When you're trying to think in your head, you're like, I need a four or better. Okay. So, you know, like, it's a lot easier than being like, okay, I have 2d6, and I need a 7. Like, if you know, you know you're a gambling person, or if you just have, have learned the odds, you'll know it. But, like, right off the bat, it's really easy to pick up your, your chances for stuff. Now, in the game, you know, you've got, you've got the skirmish game. Now, you can go anywhere from a, a handful of models to up to about 40 models. So you can scale the different sure. sizes mm-hmm. uh, of, your, of your battles. How many... Um, how many models make up your, your average game, and about how long does the game take to play? So, you know, like you were saying, it, it scales really well. So if we, if we use the average is, say, our tournament size game, right? So right. at a tournament size game, uh, it would be 1,500 points or 1,500 uh, bounty dollars, as we call them. Okay. And, and that, depending on the, definitely depending on the faction, depending on the play style of the person, because... We've kind of kept it open. Somebody could play the more like elite tanky sort of army, even within right. every faction, or you could go go on the on the more like horde based, just a lot of dudes that you have to deal with sort of thing. Um, on, but I would say on average, at least out of our most recent tournaments that we've seen, uh, people are running in the realm of twenty to twenty five models uh, in a fifteen hundred point game. Okay. And then that game would take, 
15 or 55 uh, minutes per side. So 110 minutes, so just just under two hours uh, to get a, a full-size game uh, beginning to end. And sometimes it happens faster, and sometimes it takes a little bit longer. But in in a full tournament setting, you know, 25 models per side, uh, 55 minutes per person, an hour 40 minutes for a full game. So there, so there are there. So is that timed turns or? So it'd be a, like a death clock type situation where you'd have, uh, or chess clock type situation where you'd have 55 minutes to do everything, and then oh. your opponent has 55 minutes to do all their stuff, and you go back and forth tapping the clock. All right, so if you get through your t- some of your early turns real quick, you've got a little time saved up for make those hard decisions at the end of the game, if needs exactly. be. Exactly, yep. Nice, very nice. Well, it's one of those things, too, where because of the way that you know, you're activating one of the three models, so then... When you start to lose models, you have less activations to do, just inherently. So you'll have a little bit more time at the end of the game to do each model, uh, just because you have you have less models. You know, there's probably a lot of hard decisions to make, but at least there's only ten left instead of the full twenty-five. Okay. So <laughs> everything's kind of going in your in your favor if you're you know you're quick at the beginning, and then also as you start to lose models, you're just Everybody's on top of it. All right. So, what else was I? What was I going to ask? Oh, I know what I was going to ask. Next. I'm sorry. Um, so, there's a lot of skirmish games on the market right now. I mean, mm-hmm. and Romeo talks about a bunch of them on on 40k radio. I know you guys make foam for just about all of them. You know, I've got stuff here for Malifaux and for War Machine and Hordes, and Wild West Exodus comes out on the scene. And other than the really sort of fun and unique, it's 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 not quite cyberpunk, is it? It doesn't look like cyberpunk. It looks nope. more like real modern day technology, or some of it. Sort it's of. It's almost like dystopian sort of sci-fi. You right. Know, it, yeah. I right. Because I'm that's looking really at like going, oh, it's for. steampunk. Like I'm like, wait, no, this is not steampunk at all. This is yeah. This is just almost like alternate future sort of. Yeah, weaponry and and cannons and guns. It's just like their their weaponry is a little bit beyond their their timeline. Oh yeah, and and that's really what we were going for. Is we wanted it to be um, almost like futuristic steampunk, but without it being steampunk, being more like because it's um, been done to death at this point. You know, well, and and we really like that sort of like grungy look. You know, especially a Wild West game. You don't want it right. to be too refined. You want it to have that still like dirt, and you want the the wood to have like splinters in it, like you almost want to like get splinters in your in your fingers, just like opening up the book. You know, you want that sort of like grungy feel to it. Uh, so then we also wanted it to be on this kind of level where it wasn't like, oh, you know, it's just we built up this really cool armor. We're like burly, and it's little pea shooters shooting at each other. We wanted everything to have a, a good amount of oomph to it. So. With that oomph comes, you know, that sci-fi aspect. Right. So you have these these models toting around hand cannons that just like shoot out huge amounts of energy uh, with this stuff called RJ ten twenty seven, and you're just like, ah, you don't want to be on the receiving end of any of those. You know, if you read in yep. the books, it's pretty devastating stuff, and uh, and everybody has gotten to the point where they've weaponized it or they're just using it kind of as like a everyday thing um people use it to power their houses in the universe and and things like that cool so 
Now, what else about this makes it stand out? From now, we were talking that it's a D10 system. Yeah. So between the D10, um, that alternating activation aspect is really cool. Um, it's pretty unique in the way that it plays out, where you're always getting to make the choices as well. There's nothing that dictates. You know, you have to do one model or three models, that sort of thing. Then you basically uh, then the, get three, like it's like three activations. So if a model has two activations, you could do one model, both activations, and then a third activation on a separate model. Am I correct? Yeah. Well, so every model has action points okay. uh, that right as soon as they activate, they get to use those action points on a number of different things, you know, whether it's moving or shooting or, uh, you know, throwing somebody off a building or, what, you know, any okay. of the stuff that we kind of have laid out in our rule book. There's a, I mean, there's a lot of choices, and it allows you to be really dynamic with everything. But yeah, every time you activate that model, you get whatever its action points are. So if it has three action points, or if it has uh, two action points, you get to use do that many actions. Oh, okay. Uh, so you're yeah, actually activating so, three separate models, no matter how many actions each model gets. You get three. Exactly. Okay. Uh, so you know, altogether, you could be getting uh, eight actions in. Uh, with three models because, you know, two of the models had three and one of them had two, that sort of, you know. So you're getting to do a lot of a lot of movement even with that small amount of time with some guys. Uh, but then there's also a little bit of tactical aspect of maybe you don't want to use a full three at a time. Maybe you only want to use one and kind of get your opponent to start using some of his guys. Uh, so then you're left with a few more that you have access to later on in that turn, perhaps. Oh, okay. So you, you you have to activate at least one person when it's your turn to activate, but you could have maybe fewer guys and you don't want to spend everything and then leave him with 15 activations. So maybe you just can activate one at a time, yep. conserve your moves, and pay attention to what's going on on the board. Exactly. All right. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's just very tactical. Like, it, it, once that, it, like, yes, list building is important, but what's even more important is how you use it. You don't want to just... Be like, okay, I have the really powerful list, and it's just going to run itself. You still have to make a lot of choices to make that list do what it's supposed to do. Now, there were two things I wanted to talk about. Um, now, first was I, I thought it was interesting was just basically how sort of how uh, close combat, how you know hand to hand combat works. Mm-hmm. Now it's on your D10. Now I believe I'm correct. Whatever your you know your fighting skill is. Mm-hmm. Actually, lower numbers on that are better, are they not? Because you need that yes. number or higher on a 10-sided die. So if my weapon skill or whatever the skill is called is an 8, I need 8s or better to hit. But if it's like a 3, obviously i got a 70% chance of hitting you then. Yeah, so uh, on both... So physical ability is for uh, hand-to-hand combat or things that are athletically based. Uh, and then marksmanship would be your gun-toting skills. And both of those are uh, are based on that lower is better D10 system. So you want, uh, you know, maybe if somebody has a 2, that's awesome. Like they're really good at doing that, whereas somebody who has a 9 may not be as, as good at that. And then what's, what's cool as well is we have a, a system in place that's called the influence system. And uh, what that is is it's basically a way to get around what can happen with the odds in a single D10 system. Uh, so... If you wager your influence out, it allows you to get that many re-rolls on that die roll that you're making. So if you wager two influence, you have up to two times to re-roll that die to get what you want. And if you get it, awesome. But if you don't, uh, you're still using it. 
So that's where it's kind of like a, a little bit of a gamble. You know, say it's an armor roll that you really want to pass, or it's a or it's a damage roll that you really want to pass. You can you can toss this influence down. Say I'm going to influence this roll. I want it to stick, uh, and then hope for the best. And and generally, with that hoping for the best, you'll you'll get something good out of it because you've got just kind of extra odds to play with. So, do characters have an influence stat or something that lets you know how much influence they have? Yeah, and it's uh, so different characters will have you know one influence, two influence. Some of the more uh, more important ones have maybe five influence, uh, four influence, something like that, and that influence refreshes every turn as long as the model that has that stat is still alive. Okay. Uh, so it's it's something that you can really, you know, especially if you have a high amount of influence in your army, you can start to just kind of throw it around and maybe re-roll this armor roll over here, re-roll this uh, roll over here, or even save it till the end of the turn and use it for the initiative for the next turn. Okay, so is influence army wide? Like, do you just pool mm-hmm. all the influence that all your characters have, or does each character have his individual influence, and that's all he can use? No, you you actually pool it so anybody in the army can use it. So, uh, like, the hired hands don't have an influence stat in pretty much all case. Um, so they are allowed to use out of the pool that the bosses are supplying to it or the underbosses or the sidekicks are supplying to the to the pool. So the guy I generally shoot off the roof could use that influence if he really needed to get a, make that shot or not fall off the roof. Exactly. So okay. because he's hanging out with this guy that has this sort of more pull from uh, – so the, the group, of, group of kind of like the, the guys pulling everybody towards evil, it's called the Dark Council. Okay. And then the influence is a representative of the Dark Council for most of the factions. The Warrior Nation, on the other hand, their influence is more representative of the Great Spirit that is helping them to succeed in different situations. How much do we know about the Dark Council? Like their background or what they're doing or what their plans are? How much is that explained in the game? Uh, there's a lot that's explained in the in the background. Okay. So in the actual so in our hardcover rulebook, it has two hundred pages of fluff and then all the rules. Nice. And then, uh, then we have like our little mini rule book where you can just get the rules if you want to have that to carry around. And that also comes with our two-player starter box too. So it's uh, the you can have both the rule books and get them relatively easily. Uh, but then you have that nice hardcover um, full rule book where you can just read through this whole backstory. And they're a very interesting, interesting group, the Dark Council. Uh, there's uh, there's definitely a set of motives that are kind of beyond anybody's comprehension, at least in the world. But then when you read about it, you're kind of like, whoa. It's kind of like a big mind blow to think about everything that they are doing and why they're doing it. Is there a quick version that the audience can get just to wet their whistle? Um, Basically, there are guardians of every planet. uh, And actually, let me fast forward even more. Basically, what's happening on Earth has happened on another planet before, and they ended up destroying the colony of, of life forms on this planet. And the one thing that is still a remnant of those people is on Earth, and it's allowing people access to technology that perhaps they shouldn't have. Okay. And the whole deal with the Dark Council, well, 
the whole deal with the Dark Council is that they're trying to help push the people into having this technology, and then you have the people, and actually the technology is what's corrupting and making everybody more evil. Uh, and then you have like the Holy Order, which is trying to keep the evil from spreading effectively. And nobody's really good if you if you think about it as like a good and evil thing. They all have their own motives for why they're doing it. All right, <laughs> that's a little dark. Yeah, there are so, no I good mean, guys. There's just different levels of corruption. Well, and there's you know it's like. Uh, yeah, I mean, if if you think about it, in most of most uh, what would you say, like fictional worlds, right? Right. Nobody is like even the guys that are quote unquote good have an ulterior motive for good. So you, you could look at anybody in this and be like, well, they're good on a level, but then they're also doing this to maybe the guys that I like, okay, or, or whatever it may be. You know, like if you. If you read Spider-Man and you sided with the Green Goblin, you'd be like, "Well, Spider-Man's a terrible guy. Like, you know, why right. has he done? Why has he done these negative things to this family and this guy?" Well, it's the same sort of thing. It's like, okay, these guys are good because these, they have this happening to them, and they're just fighting back against it. But then it's kind of like revenge forwards more, you know, leads into more revenge, and it's kind of like a, a never-ending cycle of people fighting each other and trying to jockey for that position so everybody's got skeletons in their closet yep there's nobody (laughs) nobody that's that's completely innocent in this situation okay so um so the we we talked a little bit about the game um and before we get into you know what we need to get started uh i'm kind of curious as to what your guys uh, sort of long-term plans are. You know, your Kickstarter wrapped up. Uh, like you said, stuff was shipped out. Um, almost everything has been out since the beginning of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the, what's the, like, three- to five-year plan for support? And I, you said you have a new faction coming out at Gen Con, which, mm-hmm. which is actually pretty exciting. I'm, I'm, I expect to hear all about it from Craig and oh, those yeah. guys. Uh, and actually, I'm gonna, we're going to be there. I'm going to be there with my wife and my son at Gen Con. Oh, awesome. So I will definitely stop by and see you guys and check out the new faction. Sure. But stop so, by, play a demo, all the good stuff. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So what? Uh, what's what's the what's the big plan though? You have anything in? Sure. You know. I mean, we've kind of hinted in a lot of places, even on our like on our forums. We already have sub forums for most of them, if not all of them. But we've already laid out the ten factions that we'll have, uh, and those are just kind of over time they'll release. Our plan is around every year. Uh, it just depends on how the story forward, you know, like how the, the novels are progressing and everything like that on exactly how quickly it'll happen. Um, so we have we have a full full set of ten factions at the end. Uh, you know, since we're releasing the six, that leaves only four more. And then we're just continuing the story with, uh, with the novels, with the graphic novels. But then we also have full organized play set up as well. Uh, so we have tournaments already put together. We have a league uh, that's starting over this summer. And we've got, you know, we're always being really on top of things like erratas and things like FAQs just to keep uh, keep the game playing as well as it possibly can. And, you know, we feel that it plays very well. It's, it's a really, really quick game so uh, and very involved too. So it's, because of that and because of also the way the activations work, it's it's always difficult to see every instance of something. 
before it <laughs> before it happens, and and we just try and stay on top of exactly how things interact with each other because of the amount of different interactions that you can have in this game. Uh, so, you know, between our organized play, our kind of release schedule, between both the fluff aspect of it and the uh, and the actual model release aspect of it. And uh, just staying on top of the game, you know, one day I'm sure we'll look at uh, doing updates to rules and things like that, but trying to keep it all very reasonable for people that have been in it, you know, since the beginning. And just try and, if we do anything, it'll always just be cleaning up what we've already set out because we feel really good about everything that we have. Uh, a lot of really cool mechanics, very unique and uh, very fun. Um, and then other than that, it's just to keep keep getting everywhere that we can. We already have a retail program that we started um, this year. Uh, so we're getting into more retail stores, more local game stores, doing a lot to support that going forward. Uh, you know, with things like getting out prize support to people that order from us, uh, getting people volunteering for our deputy program so they can run uh, demos, run tournaments, and run the league nights at their local game store. Uh, getting people, you know, people involved from the stores, getting people involved, like I said, as volunteers, and just allowing people to really enjoy the game and get really connected to these characters and, and get really connected to the story. Yeah, I like how you picked out a lot of real historical characters and then gave that, just put the little twist on it. Mm-hmm. Well, so that way, that way you can keep it's sort of familiar. I mean, I was already looking through the different factions, and they're all kind of cool. But when I saw my Abe Lincoln standing there with a big axe, and Ulysses, I'm from Illinois, so I got your okay. Ulysses Grant right there. I'm like, yeah, I think I found my faction already. There you go. Like, I think the, <laughs> looking at the Union, going, those are my guys. Totally. And like, if you read the uh, if you read the background story, you'll you'll probably find even more stuff that you just think is cool about them because you've got like. All the Pinkertons, you've got the Pinkerton Secret Service going on in the background. Nice. We, we fully explain everything having to do with John Wilkes Booth and Abraham Lincoln. And, you know, there's, there's a full story in there. there. I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff. And there's stuff that you may not expect and twists and turns that you didn't see coming. And that's really what it's all about is, like, taking something that, you know, maybe you knew before and then just really taking it for a spin. All right. Okay, so one last question on the technical sort of side with this stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. You had mentioned FAQs and erratas and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, how often are you guys planning to, you know, update that type of thing? Just, you know, I mean, some people update it all the time on their website, and there's a place to click and just go right to FAQs, and it's every couple months. And then some places it's like, oh, we haven't had an FAQ in a year, but we've had three new, you know, updates with no right. FAQs. So, so what's the plan with that? Our FAQ errata schedule we're we're trying to keep it around quarterly. Okay. The only reason that we would do it any more often than quarterly would be is if we actually like see an interaction that's happening that shouldn't be there or shouldn't exist. Uh, we haven't seen anything that's like majorly glaring in that way. Uh, we have released one errata just to clean up things out of out of the rule book and and clarify different situations that people like I said we didn't see an original playtesting, but we saw after people were playing it relatively often. So <laughs> there's no there's no rule that we gamers can't bust on you if you're not careful. Exactly, and I mean, <laughs> even being a person myself that I played 
I was a competitive gamer for years, and you know, there's things that you just don't see at a certain point, and it takes someone else to be like, well, "What about that?" And you go like, "Yeah, well, what about that?" Like, okay, guess I didn't see that coming, but we'll fix it. We'll take care of it. Okay. And and that's you know, that's our opinion on all of it is that we don't want to be too stuck in anything that we thought we did right and just like keep it going towards we want it to just be right you know we want to play right we want it to be fun want to be exciting Uh, we also just don't want to go overboard either and just like errata everything just because people say oh this is broken or this is unbalanced Um, we want it to actually like have truth behind it in a full way Uh, we want to know that if somebody says that it's broken that we have the proof, and we've we've seen it actually be an issue before we just like change it all. So you'll test it out after you hear about it. If you didn't think about it, yeah, test it out. You know, like we already have a decent amount of of people who are deputies, and and they're really you know they love this game as much as we love this game. So they're trying to at the same time as we are get, keep people interested, get people interested, um, get people playing the game, get people enjoying the game. And uh, with that, they find things and they test out things and they make sure everything is how it should be as well. All right. So let's say I want to get in. Realistically, Uh uh, what do I need to get? And let's say I'm just saying, okay, I'd mentioned I like the union, the look of the Mm -hmm. union. So I want to get in. Realistically, what do I need and about how much is that going to cost me to get in? So if you're in a younger group of players as far as like, being into the game and you're going to play maybe 750 uh, bounty dollars games, Uh, you're looking at something where you could do the starter box, and the starter boxes are $69.99. So for $70, uh, you're getting that. Um, For $20, you you would buy a template set, and then for $20 more, you would get the mini rulebook. For $60, you could get the big rulebook. And then you maybe want to buy within... You know, if you want to go to the full seven hundred and fifty, you'd maybe buy about another fifty dollars worth of stuff, sixty dollars worth of stuff. So for under two hundred dollars, you're in a really kind of like mid range way of playing the game. Okay. And within another hundred, hundred and fifty dollars you're playing at tournament level. So yeah, we're looking at what you so the templates, the things, so about and if you get the small book, just the little book, yep. you're looking so at about hundred and hundred and ten ten to buy uh, for in. templates. Uh, starter box and mini rule book. And if you go with the big rule book, you're looking at closer to 150. Yep. And then if you want to get up to tournament level, it's going to be another. You said about 60, 70 bucks to get in on top of that. So yeah, the That's 750, which is our smaller tournament level, right? Um, you're in at around at, at around 200 dollars. Okay. Um, if you are looking at more of like the larger tournament size, you're maybe around like uh, 300, 350, uh, depending on what you choose, because like. You know, you could choose this thing or that thing, and it would totally change the amount that you're paying because it's more like if you buy 50 models, it's going to be more expensive than if you buy like three models or four models. You right. could do it. You know, you could do it really on the cheap if you want. Just like the most elite, most expensive guys that you could possibly buy, uh, you might you'd be able to get it for a little bit less than somebody that buys uh, 200 uh, 200 enlightened constructs to just have a board full of zombie dudes. Okay. Like, you know, there's there's different ways that you can build, and there's you know different price amounts that are attached to those just based upon what it is, um, whether it's a heavy support piece or whether it's a hired hand piece. But yeah, I mean, 
you can easily get into the game and get playing the game though for even cheaper. Um, you know, if you just like if you really like that character aspect of it, you could buy three characters at you know fifteen, sixteen dollars per blister, and just be playing like a three-on-three like gunslinger thing, where oh, you're just okay. you know you've got like Jesse James, uh, Frank James, and Cole Younger uh, facing off against Wyatt Doc Holiday and uh, Judge Stern, and you could just play out smaller games like that, uh, where it's just it's smaller models, but it's more of like a gun showdown like OK Corral type thing. Uh, and, and that's where the scalability comes in. Is you could play those really small games, but then you could just start adding on to it if you want to have like these big wars between one faction and another. Okay. Um, so you you mentioned the two player starter kit. Mm-hmm. What what what's that entail, and how much is that one coming at? Yeah. So the uh, the two player starter is a pretty awesome deal for two play, two people that want to get into the game together. It has the mini rulebook, has the template set. It has two, basically two faction starters in it and a pack of dice. And that runs 130 So for slightly less than two faction starters, you're getting pretty much the whole shebang to get into the game. Oh, okay. And that's for two people. So you're getting the lawman faction and the outlaw faction with a boss, a uh, underboss, ten hired hands, a heavy weapon, and a light support. All right. So you, and that retails, so that retails for 130. But altogether, all the stuff if you bought it separately, it'd be around 210. So you get a pretty screaming deal on it as well. And well, I'm sorry, which two factions did you say the starter kit comes with? So it's outlaws and lawmen. Outlaws um, and lawmen. Well, that makes sense. Yep. Okay, that's what I thought you said. Yeah, that was kind of our first one to to hit the table, and then we, you know we may be doing another one by the end of this year or. Um, early part of next year. Um, we're looking at different factions to do and kind of put together in a cool two-player starter. Sweet. Yeah. Okay, so okay, so I'm in. I want to nice. jump in. I want to get my friends to join in. How do I get my friends sucked into this, and where can I get Where can we go to buy it? Definitely. Um, the easiest, if you don't have a local game store that carries it yet, uh, for one, you can go to your local game store and say, hey, uh, I want to carry. I think you should carry uh, Wild West Exodus. Okay. And have them uh, go to wildwestexodus.com or give an email to trade sales at outlawminiatures.com. Um, on our on our website, though, also has our phone number. They can give a call and say interested in your trade sales program. Or if you don't have a local game store, you can go to wildwestexodus.com and order off of there. Uh, it has our full range online. Um, and then as far as just getting your, your friends into the game, you know, let them know about the really cool backstory. Let them know about just kind of like how cool having, you know, like let them know about the cool, um, what's the, you know, like the relatable characters, things like that that we know about. And then also kind of like the, the overall feel of it. And if you haven't gotten a demo before, um, you know, learn the rules and give demos to them or just get a demo from one of our deputies or at a, one of the conventions that we're at, and then that'll really get you going in a positive direction. Excellent. Excellent. So, yeah, well, okay, so for, and for anyone, repeat that one, wildwestexodus.com. I'm looking at this thing, and there's some pretty cool stuff. I'm, like, I'm flipping through it as you're talking to me, as you're mentioning the things I'm clicking on them. Definitely, just, yeah. You got some... Just, <laughs> I'm, I, like I said, I love I, I love me some models, and mm-hmm. um, some of these... Some of these uh, 
especially the, the more historical characters. In the Enlightened, you got Thomas Edison fighting with uh, with Dr. Carpathian. In that. Isn't he one of them, the Enlightened as well? Yeah, so Dr. Carpathian is the leader of the Enlightened. He's he's kind of the, the mad scientist behind all of this. Uh, he was the one that, through the Dark Council's help a little bit, uh, found the RJ-1027 mixture and started using it. And then from there, that's kind of where everything has really started barreling out of control. Cool. And then, yeah, so Dr. Carpathian has enlisted the help of, of a few other scientists, too. Uh, so you'll see them as the story continues to progress. And, you know, we've already seen Thomas Edison working for him. And then we've seen uh, Tesla working for the Union. So, you know, that old rivalry exists. <laughs> See, that was but, another uh, thing that took me to the Union right away. When I saw Tesla right. was driving his machine, I'm like, oh, there's Tesla. I'm with him. Yep. <laughs> and he's got lightning coils in his weapons, and he's yep. using that lightning machine and stuff. It's pretty cool. There's, I mean, there's there's definitely a lot of really, really interesting, um, interesting stuff once you start to dig deeper into the story. Uh, there's a lot of characters that we've also, like, we've also made up a decent amount of characters in the game that have have just as kind of a cool place as, as the ones you've already heard of before. Yeah, like I said, those are just the ones that just jumped out and grabbed me, obviously, because yeah. it's like, you know those names, you stop to look at them, wait, what is this? That's pretty cool. Definitely, yeah. So, all right, uh, wow, that's a, the quick down and dirty on Wild West Exodus, what it yep. is, how it is, and how you can get in on it. Uh, listen, Sean, I know you've got stuff to do, so I want to thank you for coming on today. Definitely on Garage Gamer, and um, listen, as you know, as you guys in Battleform are sponsored the show. Obviously, you know one of the reasons I asked you to come on for sponsor the show. Second reason was because normally Romeo just comes on and says what's new, what you know, what new foam things they've got going on. Sure, but I know I've listened to him talk about this game enough. Where I'm like, I'm kind of interested in this. Let me, I want to have him on. So if you guys, yeah. are, when you guys are expanding out, if you guys are going to be doing, you know, you got your next stuff coming out before Gen Con or after Gen Con, mm-hmm. if you want to come back on. And talk about what's coming up and tell people where to be. I'd love to have you back on. Definitely. And uh, and as far as like on the battle foam side of things, just just to give you like a quick update, there's just been a lot of cool uh, cool revelations that are coming for the future of all the the molly bags that you've seen. So we have something that's called the blackout. Is coming very soon. The blackout is coming. Yeah. Oh, okay. And on a total total side note, you guys and you <laughs> should tell. Please tell this one to Romeo because I'm certain he'll enjoy the story. So I've got. I'm in my basement down in my area, and I got all my bags up in storage. Mm-hmm. And apparently, I got a I got a pipe that's sweating down here. Okay. So it starts dripping on the top, and I've got your guys' battle foam. I bought battle foam for my old sable bags. You know the old sable design bags. Okay. So it's got the soft top. I've got it zipped shut. Well, the water's dripping on it. Apparently, it was dripping in one corner going through the zipper into the battle foam. Okay. I didn't realize this. I take it out. I'm going to start pulling out models. I unzip the top. On the top tray, uh, it's a nine across, three uh, up and down, the 27 mm-hmm. you know, model slots. Okay. The Definitely. bottom two, the two on the bottom right, have about a quarter inch of water in them. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I pick it up to look at it. I pull the tray out. It hasn't gone through the tray. It hasn't gone around the tray because it's that thick, you know, that thick underlay on the battle foam. Oh, yeah. But I pull out the two models. In fact, I grab all the models. I kind of dump the models out, on, and I flip the over to dump the water. Mm-hmm. I dump the water, and I start checking to see if it had gone through any other slots. Yep. It, a quarter inch of water 
didn't. I mean, I know you guys glued down. I always talk about how the foam is glued to the base underneath it. Mm-hmm. It didn't travel into any of the other pockets. Like I was checking the oh, sides wow. to see if it was damp or anything like that. Now I'm mm-hmm. not saying submerge your battle foam in water. I'm saying when stuff gets in there that it's glued together and the foam is that thick, that strong, and it's glued to the base well enough. Because I know some of my other foam bases, they always come detached from the foam comes detached from the base, mm-hmm. and guys start sliding around. It held water. And That's I don't know how long it was holding water, but it held oh, water for at least, I mean, I put it in there and I didn't touch the bag for about two, three weeks. So it could have been two days. It could have been two, three. I don't know how long, but just wanted wow. to put out uh, a testimony for battle foam. It held. So these two models were a little damp, but it kept it from running to all the other parts of the bag. Wow. That was kind of nuts, but I wanted you, I wanted to let you guys know that's why I keep replacing all my foam and all my other cases with battle foam. Because it protects against pretty much everything. So. <coughs> Battle foam. Yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah. I, I will say that it's it's been really awesome, especially, um, you know, with Outlaw Miniatures to get kind of set up with. We've already we've already been set up with a, a Battle foam bag for Wild West Exodus. Okay. So it's really cool. Um, you know, we've we've been able to work alongside Romeo and and, and get all that set up. Uh, so we have we have two different bags actually for Wild West Exodus already. We've got you know your smaller skirmish one. We've got a, a larger one, the Outlaw and the Bandit, as they are called. Okay. And the Bandit's the littler one. The Outlaw's the bigger one. And so you know, people that are getting into Wild West Exodus, they also have the ability to get right into a battle foam bag uh, that goes right alongside it and and feel really comfortable uh, with their highly detailed Wild West Exodus models in some good foam that's made specifically for those models as well. <laughs> right. Yeah, like I said, I was shocked when that happened too because I was like, oh, no, if it's here, it's got to be deep, deep. I was like, oh, this whole bag is full of ruined oh, models. Nothing. And, and nothing. It just It's like a little cup. You could use it as an ice tray. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> <laughs> Just all put right. water in all of them. Put it, toss it in the freezer. See how it works. Yeah, I'll have to test that out. <laughs> I do not uh, condone or endorse uh, using battle foam as an ice cube tray. <laughs> what are all these little black chunks in the ice? Never mind that. I'm testing it. Just put I'm it in testing. your drink. Oh gosh, the wife conversation that that starts. <laughs> I get in enough trouble. It ain't going to surprise anybody. Yeah. All right. Well, listen. Thank you so much for coming on. And once again, we will have you back uh, either before or after Gen Con, whatever is most convenient for you guys, to talk about your new faction. How's that sound? Sounds awesome. All right. Thanks, Sean. And everybody, we will be back in a couple of weeks with um, our regular scheduled episode of Garage Hammer. And we will be back whenever is necessary with another episode of Garage Gamer. So see you soon. Take care. Right, right, let's do the yah-yahs now. I'm-